Okay, hello Genevieve. Hey Brooke. Thank you for being here at Hearsay Poetry. Thanks for having me. All right, so um, you are also a poetry host out here in Austin. Yeah. Which is really cool. You and I actually hosted a Hearsay Poetry back in November yeah. together. Yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah, it's kind of a unique uh, event of things. Um, so I, I actually um, pushed up one of my um, Hearsay Poetry events a week because of Thanksgiving and you pushed yours back a week. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah. Right. So they, they Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, I really appreciate you reach, reaching out and suggesting that we host that together because it was so much fun and just so, uh, unique and different in that way. And just seeing both the drink and ink crowd and the hearsay crowd kind of get together and combine those formats. It was, it was really interesting, um, for me and I think for everyone else too. Um, yeah, definitely. And I don't know, maybe, Maybe that's like a November thing that we do. That would be forward. really cool. Actually, probably because right. I, I can't really see because I'm that. always gonna push it back. Yeah, and I'll probably always push mine. Yeah, forward. Could just be our new thing that we do. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> November mash. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really fun. Um, so for people that were there, they know what we're talking about. But for everyone else, um, so I mean, hearsay poetry is just you know obviously the poetry feature opens and then it's just generally an open mic um and now I do the acrostic poetry challenge with, with the painting um but go ahead and, and let us know about uh drink and ink and what your format is yeah so drink and ink is it's a private open mic so it, basically instead of going to a public venue we go to um we go to it's mostly at my house but other people have offered to host and everything but it's where we try to focus on um all different types of art, so anywhere from poetry and storytelling to music to paintings and um, stained glass. Uh, we've done all kinds of things, but um, I remember, I think, because I've, because I've listened to um, a few of Hearsay Poetry Podcast episodes, I think you actually described it my favorite way, which was you said it was poetry-laced, um, mm-hmm with other like aspects and everything. Um, but that's basically what we do. So, and it's a potluck. Um, I really wanted to create a community more than anything else. So people come over, we have tons of food and, um, we all just kind of share our, whatever art it is that we want to create. Um, and I usually start off every drink and ink with a cowboy poem. Um, I love cowboy poetry and have come across it. Um, and was pretty, pretty struck by it. And then we also, um, because we do it every, every month, it feels like, you know, if we have a lot of the same people, it's possible that, you know, maybe they're having some kind of block, you know, for a few months where they just can't think of something. So I'll also give a word of the month just to help people kind of use that to craft something. Um, I thought that was just going to be kind of an afterthought and it is the thing that everyone focuses on, which I wasn't expecting, but it's great. (laughs) How, how is it going to be an afterthought for you, um, as an idea initially? I just thought it would be like, um, Hey, this is the word of the month. If you want to do something with it, you can, but I'm, I I figured, you know, people have so much that they want to share and they have so many things that they've already written. You know, they have all this past stuff that they've Mm -hmm. created that I, I, guess I figured they'd want to focus more on those things and that maybe one person would go, well, I'll use the word of the month this time. Oh, like if the kind of a fallback yeah. idea, like if they didn't have anything yeah, else. Yeah, okay. but no, it's, it is the focus. It's what everyone yeah. wants to do. And 
when I get close to the end of a drinking ink without, without fail, there's one person that, you know, jumpstarts and asks what the next month word of the month is. So mm. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that. And it's just been a lot of fun to see how many people yeah. really rely on it. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, uh, it's, it's become an interesting thing, even just, you know, just talking about my own perspective going into it. I mean, um, I generally as a writer have sort of, I would say shied away or even pushed away, uh, writing prompts, you mm-hmm. know, um, I'm more open to it now, like yeah. for sure. But like when I first started to have like moments of writer's block or, you know, mm-hmm. things where I'm like, well, I just, you know, I'm in a slum right now. I can't, I don't right. know what to do. Right. Um, you know, and like people would suggest like, you know, well, you should do, you know, writing prompts or just try to force yourself to write every day, like that kind of thing. Um, I would just be like, no, like yeah. that's, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to force myself to be yeah. in this box. And then, and drink and ink, you know, the word of the month, um, for sure. There was something about it where I was like, I'm not going to like force myself <laughs> to write something based on this one word. Yeah. And then, but as soon as I started doing it, like, I love it now. I yeah. really do. I have several, several, you know, of my favorite poems have been off of drinking ink, actually, yeah. just word of the month stuff. And it's, it's pretty interesting how much it transforms well, the I'm way really you glad that you like it. it. Yeah. Um, I, cause I'm the same. I don't like, I don't like writing prompts. I just thought I'll just put this out there. So if there is someone who may, maybe someone does appreciate that, mm-hmm. um, then I can, then they can use it. Um, yeah. but I don't like them either. Uh, I'll hear people give advice of, yeah, just go to your journal and, you know, here, here's some, write down some writing prompts. So when you're having, you're in a slump, you know, go to those writing prompts and then I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's not inspiring to me. That's not (laughs) motivating to me. That feels like you're assigning me something to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to fit in what you want me to do, or I want myself to do my previous form of myself that wrote these writing prompts. I don't want to go over there. I want to do something, whatever I'm going through right now is what I want to focus on. Um, but I think, after seeing what other people do with it, I've grown to also love the word of the month because it's not just that they're like, okay, I have to include this word in there. Sometimes it becomes the, they make the word the environment of what they're writing about mm-hmm. instead or a theme or something, right? It kind of, the word's like permeating in what they're saying. It's just like kind of, it's almost like it's um like a picture on the wall of whatever setting they're talking about kind of thing. And it just fits with, with everything. Like I know, um, the, the, the inksters, I think is what I call them at this point. Um, a lot of times I'll pick a really light, um, kind of positive word and they will all go to these dark places. Like they'll all (laughs) want to share these dark things. I'm thinking, what, what the fuck guys? Like, like, what are the antonyms of this word? Yeah. Like, why are we? Okay. And so, so some, um, once in a blue moon, I'll be like, you know what? Fine. And so one time the word was bereave. I was like, you guys, you guys do what you want to do with that. You know, (laughs) I want to take this to dark place here. I've got darkness for you. Let's, let's do bereave. And they took that word and they made the funniest, lightest stories from it. Um, one guy, Wukash, he wrote his own eulogy. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was, and it was really funny. He wrote it in this, and what he decided to do with the eulogy is he decided to take people that were in drink and ink that he might know a little bit more personally Mm -hmm. and wrote in memories with them in his eulogy. So it was, so it's fun to see what everyone else comes up with when it comes to the word of the month. I just wasn't, I was not anticipating how it just kind of evolved into it's what everyone focuses on. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And then 
kind of building off of that, you have a collaborative writing based on yeah. the word. But even that is a little mm-hmm. uh, weird. Yeah, the collaborative you do writing is it, weird. Um, so describe that, because if I try to, <laughs> I think I might butcher it. But uh. um, So that that's done during the night. It's while well, we're going through the, the night. It's just I, I hand out a notebook completely blank, and whoever decides to start off first, they can write whatever they want on there. And it can be as long or as short as they want it to be. And then they'll pass it on to the next person. And that person can decide to move on to a different topic, or they can decide to go off of what that person said. And again, as long or little as they want. And I've gotten some really weird stuff from that. Some, I feel like some people use the collaborative writing as a way to kind of show that they're going through something. Cause I'll notice that it'll get real dark in ways that are more personal <laughs> as opposed to what maybe they're sharing with everyone else. And cause I'm yeah. reading it at the end. Cause after everyone's done, I'll read it. And that's how we kind of close drinking ink is the way mm-hmm. we end drinking ink is I'll, I'll read what everyone decided to contribute in the collaborative writing. And I'll, I'll notice it's like, okay, well, this is a different voice than what we're all hearing and seeing whenever they're sharing. So sometimes it gets dark, but sometimes there's some brilliant things that have come from my collaborative writing. They're really funny. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I I keep doing it because people really, really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I've noticed like, I mean, the past few times I've been because I think, does Michael usually start the collaborative writing? I don't know. Um, whoever Sometimes. starts it, I've noticed that, like, let's just, I don't know, take the word caterpillar and that word's mm-hmm. coming up, whatever. Um, but whoever starts it, I've noticed that it's been this, like, they'll break it up in syllables and make a sentence out of that. Like, whatever the word is. So it'll be like, the cat crawled <laughs> up a pillar. And it's like, what? Well, how does this make sense? It's like, oh, the word is caterpillar. Yeah. And they just broke it up in this weird sentence. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is getting real cheesy. So I will say, <laughs> I will so say weird. the way and he does that, yeah. that's an homage to someone who used to come to drink and ink. She now lives in El Paso. Um, her name's Francesca and she would take the word of the month and she would write these nursery rhymes about it, but the, she would break up the word and make people's names, those parts. So I know once the word of the month was magnanimous and she was like, Mag and Nan went together and and it was just this little (laughs) nursery rhyme that she, she did. And so I know that in the beginning, when she first started doing that, we all kind of were like, okay, here's Francesca, you know, doing her cutesy (laughs) nursery rhyme. And then it got it grew to this thing we all loved and we couldn't wait to hear how she was going to break up the word and who's going to get the name and what she was going to use with it. Cause then she would still use the word like with magnanimous, she would use it in there, but Mag and Nan were the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think when, when Michael did that, it was an homage to her, like the cat went up the pillar, like just stuff like, yeah. Yeah. And, And then I think all the other inksters that were around when Francesco was around, totally knew what he was doing. So they all, in that specific collaborative writing, they yeah. all just went, went with it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> they did. Yeah. So it's just yeah. interesting. There's definitely like, um, I don't know, drinking ink is, is really like, um, it's an open mic, but it's also this weird, there's this weird interconnectivity that happens mm-hmm. and it, it shows through different aspects of the whole night based on like who everyone remembers and knows and, and like homages that they want to do to other Mm -hmm. people and stuff. 
Yeah, everyone brings their own flavor for sure. I mean, it's not it's not just poetry. It's not always just about the word. I mean, people have brought um, art pieces or mm-hmm. performance art or um, mm-hmm. stories, which I really like. Um, you know, or even just like personal. Yeah. Just like actual, just true stories. People just want to get up there and talk about something that happened during the week that might be related to the word. Right. Um, not even just something that they wrote about the word itself, which I think is so cool. Um, and it's also a potluck, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so it has like this really good community, like hometown feel to it, especially because yeah. it is at a home. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and the way that it kind of came up for me to decide to start doing it was I was... I was hanging out with my dad and he, some album, I don't remember the musician. It was a musician we both liked and they had some album come out and we were talking about it. And he said, you know, I know it's going to make me just sound like an old guy who misses the good old days, but I really loved when, um, records were still the, the main, main format used. And when a musician came out, with um, a new album, me and my friends, we'd all get together because back then musicians really focused also on the artwork that they would use for their album. And they'd have all the lyrics included um, on like the, uh, on the little inserts that they, you know, all the inserts that they would do. And so they would all get together, him and his friends, and they would play the album and then they would open up the cover and they would look at all the artwork and they would read the lyrics and try and take in all the lyrics. And they would just like have this full on conversation about what they were all listening to and experiencing. And I remember he was telling me this story and I thought, I want to do that. That would be cool to just kind of sit there and talk about whatever we're listening to or the artwork that we're looking at or, or anything. But I thought I want to do that with people's, their own work instead of someone we're admiring, which is fine if we want to all admire someone, but I kind of, I really wanted to do that in a way that was a lot more personal. So him telling me a story of when he was like a teenager kind of moved me to go, I, I kind of want to do that. Um, and it's kind of how, why it started in a house. Um, but then I realized that I liked, um, I also liked the idea of letting people who are not okay with being vulnerable about their art, have a place that they they can be vulnerable and feel okay about it instead of, you know, in a, in a public open mic, there's, there's a lot of people you don't know and you're really putting yourself out there. And there's a lot of, I don't, I'm sure there's a lot of poets who don't think this, but I think there's a lot of bravery to that, um, to put, you're kind of putting your art out there in front of people you do not know at all. Um, and so I guess I wanted to create a place for those people who don't feel okay doing that or they go in front of a bunch of strangers. So, um, so it's, that's why it's in a house. So if there's people, one, you know, I, I say that it starts at seven. It actually starts at eight, but it starts mm-hmm. at seven. So if you're new, by the time we start at eight, you have met everybody in that room and you're not standing up in front of a room full of strangers anymore. You're at least in a room full of acquaintances that mm-hmm. you have made, even if it's a small connection, you made that connection with. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to create an environment where they could do that without feeling like they're putting themselves out in front of a bunch of people who either don't care or are kind of interested because, um, you know, there's other people who go to those public venues that are not there for the open mic, you know, they're there to do something else. And so, you know, that there's people out there who don't care what you're doing. Um, 
and it's not nothing personal, but they're just there to have some coffee or they're just there to do their own thing or hang out with some other people. Um, but coming to drink and ink, it's, it's like, no, everyone that's here wants to hear what you want to, to express and wants to hear what you have to offer. And we're all going to be supportive of it. And yeah. It's kind of what I, what I evolved into for me. Yeah. And, and that's such an important thing. Um, not only for the vulnerability side of it, but what you said about everyone there is invested, mm-hmm. um, into what you're doing and they, and they want to listen. They, they, they care and they're going to be supportive. Um, you know, that's something that I've struggled with, um, a lot of the time in general with just poetry, open mics, or yeah. just, you know, being in a public space, uh, performing poetry. And I go back and forth on it. It's, it's hard being in that public space and knowing that poetry is such a sort of niche, uh, mm-hmm. art form where, you know, Joe Schmo off the street, who's yeah. there just to get coffee and just randomly, you know, is there at your open mic, Yeah, isn't just all of a sudden going to peek his ears and go, whoa, what's that? Mm-hmm. Let me sit here and listen and invest right now. Right. Um, because, you know, let's face it. I mean, poetry is one of those things where it, either grabs you or it doesn't. And then if it does grab you, I mean, it, it takes a lot of your mental capacity, um, to want to like really invest your time and your attention to that. Um, and you, and you have to really want to, um, so it's not for everybody. Um, and it's, it's not something as easily accessible as, you know, music where you can, you can really like devote a lot of, um, special attention to it in the moment, or you can just kind of like go about your own personal time and like leave it in the background and it's still enjoyable. Um, it's not necessarily the same thing in that way. It's, it's not, it's a different kind of art form and it's, I can see why it's, you know, not wildly or as widely accepted, um, you know, in certain capacities as far as like a public space goes. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, and I've always kind of gone back and forth where it's like, well, why is every public open mic just filled with other poets? And like, why can't we yeah. bring poetry back to the people, man? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it is a lovely thing when it's like, well, everyone in your audience, even if they are just poets, like mm-hmm. they want to be there because they are invested and, yeah. and they do want to be supportive. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. Yeah, and I think, and sometimes I wonder if this is it too, where... You know, when the average, just like you said, Joe Schmo comes in and they're there to just get coffee. I also wonder if there's some people who feel like you're, when you're at the open mic and you're reading your stuff, if they feel like you're, you're pushing your stuff on them kind of in a weird way when it's like, Mm -hmm. really, no, you're just up there to share something and you're hoping somebody will grab onto it or that they will appreciate the fact that you're, you're putting yourself out there and you know, I, I think, and I think the other reason why with drinking ink, it's not specifically poetry is because there's so many different types of art and because it can be a niche and I want, I want to bring in people who, you know, maybe something else is their thing and Mm -hmm. then they'll start coming and then they start to appreciate what other people are doing more. And then they start to learn what they enjoy. Um, an example, I have, I have so many stories about the different people that that come to drink and ink. Um, because I feel like there are, there aren't just poets that come. Um, my mom actually started coming to drink and ink three, four years ago, three or four years ago. So, um, she, I did not invite her to the previous drink and inks, um, because I just didn't think it'd be her thing. Hmm. 
Um, I'm definitely kind of the odd person in my family. Um, I, I always call myself the black sheep, not because there's any bad blood or that I am a bad kid. I was a bad kid. I just, I'm different than a lot of, than my brothers and, and like my mom and my, my, I guess ex stepdad, they're not married anymore. So I don't know what you call that, but her ex-husband, that's better. Um, but, uh, so I, I just didn't think it'd be her thing. And, um, cause I was the only, I was the only one in, in that house that wrote anything or played music or did anything artistic. Um, so then she was, she was going through a separation and she called me to see what I was doing one night. Cause you know, and she was going through some stuff in one company and I, and I said, well, tonight is drinking ink and I, I don't think it's your thing, but do you want to come? So she decided to come that night and she sat there. She didn't have anything to share, which is fine. There's no expectation or obligation to have something to share. And she was very quiet. And I remember the whole time thinking, she's never going to come back. This is not her thing. And that's okay. But you know, she's here and that's, that's cool. And she called me the next day and she said, you were right. This is not my thing. I, this is not it at all. Um, but she said, I think it's good to challenge yourself and try to do something that might not be your thing. And so she came back to the next month and now she writes things and performs them in front of everybody. I mean, last night we had to drink an ink, um, and she wrote her own Mad Lib and had and ha- did this interactive thing with everyone where we, you know, threw out adjectives and nouns and verbs to her, and then she shared with us what she'd written, and she specifically wrote it herself. So she went from somebody who isn't really into artistic things, isn't really into poetry, isn't into anything like that, to now she actively shares and writes and contributes. So I think that the, every, every time I think about what I want drinking ink to be, it evolves. And now it's more of like, I want to reach out to people who think that artistic stuff is not their thing. And it's like, Oh, it totally is. You just don't know where you fit in that yet, but you can find it kind of thing. Yeah. I totally agree with that sentiment too. I mean, whenever I hear somebody say, and yeah, just art across the board, but, um, just poetry too. It's like whenever you hear somebody say like, well, poetry is just not their thing. Um, and you know, drink and ink is just an embodiment of this very thing. You know, just so many different poetry styles, right. you know, there's so many different types of poetry and different types of writing, mm-hmm. um, different types of expression within that. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure maybe you just haven't found the right poem. Yeah. Um, because there was a very real time. I mean, I've always loved writing, but there was a very real time in my life where I just didn't like reading poetry. I yeah. just was like, well, I like writing, but, you know, I'm just not into this. Yeah. Um, you know, at a younger time. And then I, I just remember finding just that, that moment when reading a poem just like was so magical, just like yeah. finding that right poem. And I was like, oh my God, I, what is this? I love this. Yeah. And, but you know, every poem before that was just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. don't really care. I don't know why I would be invested. Um, I don't see the value in whatever this thing is that I don't really understand. And right. I, I get the other side of that coin completely when people are like, yeah, it shouldn't be this hard to try to understand whatever this is trying to say. Yeah. Um, or when you, you know, to that effect too, when you see a poet up there reading, it's like, why do I need to listen? Like, yeah. what am I listening to? Like, right. why, why should I care? Um, right. and, and to that effect, it's like, well, why should I perform or anything like that? I mean, right. 
just all of it. It's, and I can understand why so many people, um, feel that poetry has pushed away its audience in a lot of ways or that it feels exclusive. Well, Um, and I, and there's also, there's the, I feel like there's this association with performance on some kind of art equals entertainment. And if someone does not feel entertained by the poems that you're giving them, like, why am I sitting here listening to this? And, you know, performing art isn't always entertainment. It's, it's just a way to, there are a lot of people out there who do not know how to express themselves in a simple conversation, but you know, you ask them to paint or you ask them to, to write something down and you might discover a ton about that person that you didn't realize at all. You know, maybe something where they came from, you know, where, what they've gone through, you know, they may not speak on those things and they might be a very, very reserved person, but then all of a sudden they decide that they're going to write something and you learn an immense amount about them. Um, I won't say this person's name, but he came a couple of times to drink and ink and was going through a tough, um, he was, he was a little, he was separated and he was going through some tough, tough, tough things. And he, I've known him for a long time and he is pretty quiet and keeps to himself. And the two or three months that he came to drink and ink, the things that he read, he went from this real charismatic, nice guy to, he read this and you realize you are going through a very difficult thing right now. And you would have not known that at all if he hadn't written it down and had agreed to perform it in front of all these people. Um, and so I think there is a disconnect with poetry and people thinking that it's supposed to be entertaining. And when people present it, it's not. And it's, and I think it's cause it's not the point. The point is that you're, you're sharing a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just think that a lot of people who feel like they can't connect to poetry, maybe they're, they're looking for that entertainment aspect of it. And it's like, well, it might just not be there. Yeah. Well, the payoff, you right. know, the personal payoff, the, the relatable aspect. And when, when poetry gets maybe a little bit too personal with mm-hmm. just the poet or, um, you know, when it might be a source of conflict for people, mm-hmm. um, and there is, there isn't necessarily a payoff or when poetry can be a little too abstract or things like that. And you, you again, the payoff isn't there. Right. Um, you're and also, that, that personal you're connection. You're someone to think about yeah. what you're sharing, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that personal connection with the art form is sort of lost for people. I think that's where poetry gets really difficult. And yeah, and, and the aspect of like you're, you're investing a lot. Mm-hmm. And when the return isn't as much as what you feel like you're investing, I think that's where people get lost. Yeah. Um, because you do. You do have to invest a lot into, into poetry in general as a listener, yeah. as a participant. Um, so... I don't know. Mm. It's a complicated thing. It really is. It <laughs> yeah. really is. And I, I hope that, I don't know, with, there are so many open mics that are in Austin and, and, and there's so many people who are intensely dedicated to them. It's just hoping that it does become a little bit more inviting, mm-hmm. I think is what the, the goal maybe needs to, I don't know if needs to be is the right word, but should be or something like it, trying to make it more inviting. Not that, it's not. It's just trying to figure out how it can appear inviting, even though it already is. Right. So. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe one day poetry will <laughs> kind of come back around and have its 
heyday once again. Yes. We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. We keep trying. <laughs> we'll just... I mean, it's not going anywhere. Um, no. You know, people say like, oh, isn't it like a dying art form? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> as long as there's poets, it'll, it's not yeah. going any, it's not Do dying at all. Do you write journal entries? Okay. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, I mean... it, it's not dying. It just, it's not like, you know people in the millions across America yeah. or across the world are buying poetry books and it's like their number one form of reading or something yeah. like, no, that's not really the case anymore, yeah. but it's not a dying art form. No. At all. No. And um, there's, there's several musicians out there that write in poetry. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think one of my favorites is Tom Waits. I mean, if you were to read his songs, they're just poetry. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're just amazing. I love love grabbing his songs and like looking up the lyrics and, and reading mm. through them. He's, he is a poet through and through. Hmm. So, okay. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Waits is one of those cats that I don't really check oh, yeah. out. His, he's got, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a unique voice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an acquired taste, but he is, um, he is a, a writer for sure. Another voice that's changed a lot over the span of his career. Yes. Yeah. Um, the last podcast I uh, had with my friend Eric, we were talking about this very thing with Bob Dylan. Oh yeah. What a good, like just poet he is. And yeah. Also just changed a lot throughout his career, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, I mean, there's so many musicians out there who write in poetry. So it's like, it's not a dying art. No, it is, it is happening. It's, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it's pretty rare that you'll meet a, I mean, they're out there, but it's not like, you know, becoming a poet is mm-hmm. uh, an easy, like, aspect of, like, a career goal, you know? It's not like, yeah. I'm just going to be a yeah. professional poet when I grow up. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you can want that, but right. good luck for that. Yeah, happening. figuring out how to market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you got to market it somehow to make yeah. it more appealing. I mean, yeah. So that's kind of sad, but yeah. I mean, it's I don't a tough know. Bu- it's it's a tough business. It but. is tough. Yeah, like any art. I mean, they're all they're all tough, but I think yeah. that's probably a little more tough than others. I think so. Yeah, but anyway, you can still write beautiful poetry and oh yeah, and just keep on, and nothing will ever happen. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, as long as you're doing it for you, I think it's probably the most important part. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the cowboy poetry thing that you, you say you open up Drink and Ink with a cowboy poem. Yes. Um, so when I first started going and, and you had said, okay, I start every session off with this cowboy, po- cowboy poetry and, <laughs> and I, you just put on this cowboy hat and I was like, what is she talking about? Um, I thought it, I literally thought it was something you just made up. Like, <laughs> Like you're just oh, I wish. like you're I just wish. doing these poems and the voice of like the character of a cowboy. I so and I was wish like, I started making it up. This is a real creative thing she's doing. <laughs> like cool. And then like later on, I you know you kind of elaborated on it more, and it occurred to me. I'm like, oh, this is a whole genre. This is a genre. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So you totally blew my mind open to this whole cowboy poetry thing, and that it's an actual like thing that people do, and it's not just something you made up. So yeah. Please tell me about like how did you how get it into happen? yeah how did you get into that like yeah everything? so it um when I was I have so there's two separate stories of how I kind of attached to it um when I was twelve twelve thirteen some some span around there um my dad and I went to um Corpus Christi or we went to Rockport 
um, which is just about half a mile or half a mile, excuse me, half an hour um, north of Corpus Christi. Um, we were there at the beach for vacation, and my dad happened to see that there was a coffee shop doing a poetry contest, and so he wanted to go. And this was a, I can't, I think it was called the Lotus Cup, this coffee shop, and it was a very, very hippie, very almost spiritual kind of coffee shop. There was, there was fabric hanging from the ceilings, you know, like this beautiful, like pillowy or just like transparent fabric. And every beverage had like, uh, I remember there was like the Shiva's mocha. Like there was, I'm just, I'm trying to paint a picture here of just how kind of hippie it was like, yeah, every, everything was named after some kind of spiritual like deity and, and all these things. So we, we go in there and we know that there's going to be this poetry contest and whoever wins, I think it was like a hundred dollars was the prize. Wow. And so we just went to, to witness. We just wanted to see what's going on. And, um, cause before I said I, in, in the house I grew up in, I was the only artistic one, but my dad, cause I went to go visit him. He, um, he showed me a lot about, you know, poetry and music and everything. So, um, so we're sitting there and we're waiting and in walks these two cowboys and we knew they were cowboys because they, I mean, they were the part they had their boots and they had their, um, Wranglers or Lees. I think they're whatever that brand is that cowboys are known to wear, um, wearing them where they're, they're fitting just right. Um, I always like to say that cowboys pants were the skinny jeans before skinny jeans became a thing, you know, they were just really, really hugging them real well. And, uh, (laughs) they had their, their plaid shirts, um, and they were wearing their cowboy hat. Both of them, each one had a real thick, bushy beard, or excuse me, mustache, and hair was slicked back underneath their hats. Well, how they found this poetry contest and why they felt like this was the place to go, I don't know, because they stuck out so intensely. I mean, everybody that was in there, uh, <laughs> they were just... The, you know, everybody else has got like piercings everywhere and, and dyed hair and you know, it just, they just stuck out so much. So they walk in, they're very quiet and they both sit next to each other on this couch and the poetry contest began and everybody pretty much was doing slam poetry and was very intense slam poetry and they're just doing their thing. And yeah. finally it was one of the cowboys turn and he stood up and he walked out in front of everyone. And he just, he made eye contact with everybody as he started to recite his poem. And he, completely from memory. And I remember the first one was about his dead dog. (laughs) And how much he missed his dead dog. And (laughs) everything rhymed. So, um, so all, the entire poem, it it rhymed, which I, as a 12 year old, was exploring the world of not rhyming in poetry because that blew my mind. That early at 12? I didn't <laughs> I, start exploring yeah. that till like my late 20s. Oh yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, poetry doesn't have to rhyme. And so I, I started looking into, to, I, my, my dad had a friend who, um, or has a friend who's a poet. And so he and I would sit together and he, he showed me like T.S. Eliot and E. Cummings. Wow. And like, so I got really into that poetry. Mm. Um, but then here I am watching this cowboy poet do his thing and he's rhyming and it sounds amazing. It doesn't sound simple, which I remember realizing that lots of rhyming poetry that I had found as a 12 year old sounded really simple. And so he's going and doing, he's got a whole story that he's telling you, making eye contact and smiling the entire time. And it's about his dead dog and he's smiling. 
Um, and finally, he says the very last line. And as he says the very last line, he gracefully takes his hat off and bows to the audience and like tucks his hat to his chest. And everybody loses their minds. Like everybody thought it was just the greatest thing. And then the second one comes up and he does it the exact same way. All from memory, smiling. This one was about his wife leaving him, smiling. And, um, and then does the same thing where he takes his hat off and bows. And they won the contest. They, they just completely, they completely won. And um, I thought, what? the hell just happened like what what did I just what did we find it was amazing so then fast forward all about nine years um nine or ten years I was 21 and my dad had a girlfriend who lived near Lukenbach Texas and Lukenbach is just a small town that has a dancing hall and a couple of houses Mm -hmm. and that's about it um I don't even think there's like a gas station or a grocery store in this town Um, maybe a post office but um, it's famous. Um, it's in some country songs, and Willie Nelson is known to just show up there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so we go, yeah. and she is like, "We're gonna go." There's um, there someone's playing some like a friend of mine's playing some music at, at Lukenbach. Like, let's yeah. go to the the dance hall. So we we get there, and there's a bunch of um, picnic tables outside, and we decide to sit at a table next to this guy who looks like a cowboy. And he's sitting there and uh, my dad goes, so what do you, what do you do? And the guy without, without missing a beat goes, I'm a poet. And my dad and I just look at each other. Like we found another one. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> They're, what? Out oh my God. They're out there. Like we thought, you know, at this point we hadn't seen another one in 10 years. So we're like, this is a fluke. And so then, no, <laughs> here's this guy. And not only was he just sitting there, he had this very overweight dog named Honey next to him. That was just his, you could tell, was his pride and joy. And uh, so we asked him if he would, if he had any poems he wanted to share. He stood up from memory, recited his poem, all with a smile, and he did the same take his hat off, <laughs> tucked it to his chest, and bowed this to us so on the last line. And I, I remember thinking this. So this is clearly a thing. I am now a more um, fully-fledged adult at this point, and I'm recognizing this is, this is a whole genre that I don't know about. I, you know, as a 12-year-old, you don't know what just happened, but it kind of fades away. Um, but whenever he can, he reinforced what I had seen at 12, and I did the same things. And yeah. there's no way that they know each other. There's just no way. Right. I mean, they're, those Corpus Christi and Lukenbach are not close to each other, so... I mean, I think we're talking about like six hour drive, um, at least. So as a 21 year old, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I can find. So I, I look up, I just type in Google cowboy poetry. There's a whole site dedicated to cowboy poetry Mm -hmm. that has from cowboy poets from the early 1920s. Um, some, there's one particular who was writing poems in the late 1800s, um, to now. And, um, and it's, I just started to read through them and they're all just amazing. Um, and majority of them rhyme. There are a few cowboy poems out there that don't, but the, I mean, I'd say 95% of them have written the same way that the three cowboy poets I have met in my life do it. So, um, then when I was 23 is when I decided to do, or 24, 23, I decided to do Drink and Ink. And, um, I thought, 
I enjoyed cowboy poetry so much. I really, I think I'm just going to start it off that way. And because I also thought as the person hosting, yes, I could share things that I write, but I'd kind of rather, I'm, I'm the host. I want to show that I want to, I'm welcoming other people to share their stuff. So I want to, I want to, I want to highlight that by reading other people's work. So, um, I decided it was going to be cowboy poetry and that's how we were going to start every drink and ink because I just loved it so much. I think that is so amazing. And, um, yeah, it just makes me want to get in, get into cowboy poetry more and actually like yeah. go, go out and venture and, yeah. and see like other cowboy poets. They do a cowboy poetry week. It's in April. Here? Um, I, it depends cause there's okay. like, um, I think it's like 20 States, like a law was passed that this week of April is the official cowboy poetry week. Wow. Um, and there's, I think like there's at least 20 states who recognize that. And I don't remember if Texas is one of them. I'm sure they are, but yeah, I can um, imagine they would have to be. Yeah. And there's a, um, I know that they do like a, an event, but I don't think it's in Texas. I think it's a different state that they do like the cowboy poetry week event. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a thing <laughs> that's just not known that much about, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously, I'd never heard before you, you mentioned yeah. it, but. Um, so do you have a cowboy poem that you can share? I do. So one of my favorite, um, poets, cowboy poets is, um, S. Omar Barker. Um, and there's some amazing, amazing cowboy poet names. Badger Clark, I think is my favorite cowboy poet Badger name. Clark. Yes. Sounds like a cowboy. Um, but S. Omar Barker is a, a fantastic cowboy poet, um, And the poem I'm going to read is, he wrote it in 1954. And uh, another part that I try to do when I read these poems is I try to do a Southern accent. So um, I will probably dip in and out of it as I read this. But um, yeah, this is my favorite cowboy poem. I read it twice at Drink and Ink because I love it so much. Um, I made sure to wait at least like two or three years before (laughs) I read it again. But um, so this is called Canned Tomatoes. Them old-time Western cowboys mostly ate what they could get and drank what turned up handy, and I've heard them all admit. They sometimes got so tired of beans, of beef, and even taters, they'd put near swap their saddles for a bait of canned tomatoes. About the only stuff in cans them days was pork and beans, tomatoes, eagle milk and corn, and maybe some sardines. And none of these was plentiful out where the cow trails ran, for grub come mighty costly when they bought it in the can. But sometimes in the wagon bed of big ranch operators, you'd find maybe a case or two of stuff called cantermaters. Them old-time cowhands never heard of vitamins and such. They never craved no fancy foods, at least not very much. But coming in from cow work where the dust was thick and hot, them juicy, cool tomatoes, well, they sure did hit the spot. You even like them better than you did dried apple pie. And when your outfit furnished them, you sure was living high. Why, even when you ate in town, you shocked them restaurant waiters by turning fancy vittles down and eating canned tomatoes. A batching in the boar's nest, as the lime camps then was called, you often tired of cooking and your appetite got stalled. But if up there upon the shelf some canned tomatoes stood, you'd cut a can for supper and it sure did savor good. Some days inside your slicker you would pack a can or two. 
tied on behind your saddle if the water holes was few. You'd cut a can and drink it as you jogged along the road and swear that canned tomatoes was the best fruit ever growed. In town, the morning after you helped the owl hoot, your tongue would taste like leather from the top of some old boot until you found a grocer that would trust you for a can, and when you cut and drunk it, you were sure a different man. That's how them oldsters tell it of the days when life was rough, when riding men was rawhide men and nothing else but tough, when men with hides and stomachs like an old bull alligators was still like kids for candy when it come to canned tomatoes. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love that too. <laughs> and there's, I mean, you know, and it sounds, when it rhymes like that, it sounds so simple. But like one of my it's favorite lines not. in here is when riding men was rawhide men. Like I, yeah. I, it just had this flow that I just, I love. And so just there are lines that are, to me, are just pure gold. Um, no, that's, that's actually really good. It's just good writing. Yeah. 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 When riding men were rawhide men. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, um, last night, the one I decided to tell, my favorite line was like the last two, because the, the last stanza was, we must tell our stories, oh, how did it go? We must tell our stories so our memories live on, past when the tellers themselves are long dead and gone. I just loved like past when the tellers themselves, like it just has this rhythm that feels good to say when mm-hmm. you're when you're saying it. It just With has rhythm, this yeah. cadence that I really, really appreciate. And so there's a lot of aspects of cowboy poetry that that have that. That there's just the this, musical aspect. Yes. To it. Yeah. Which uh, which makes sense why when they perform they do it from memory and they do it with that rhythm and they do it with that kind of yeah, that musicality like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So but that's that is one of my all time favorite poems. I just it, it's it feels silly and campy, but there, there's clearly some truth to it too. I, I guess canned tomatoes are <laughs> just like the, the best thing. But well, the nice thing about it too is it's it's good storytelling. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole time you just have such a visual journey going through your head. Yeah, and it's, it's very vivid, and you're you're taking this like ride along with the with this yeah. guy the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and then at the very end, like. They're actually t- talking about payoff. There actually is like a huge payoff. It's yeah. as cheesy or whatever you want to yeah. say. It, it sounds or feels. Um, but, you know, those individual lines, I mean, it, there's a mm-hmm. lot of just good writing. And, yeah. you know, the metrical flow of that, I mean, that's, you know, rhyming or not, that's not always easy no. to write. No. Um, it's actually pretty difficult. It can be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's pretty unique. It's a unique art form. Yeah. And especially... You know, there's specific cowboy poets that really, really have, like, like this one, like this, this cowboy poet, Asomar Barker, he just really understood how to write that well. So, and there's, there's a few other that I, I do just love. Um, there's Bruce Kiskaden, that's a really amazing cowboy poet. And, um, I mentioned Badger Clark. Some of them might, some, I, I'm not going to lie when I was first picking out cowboy poems for Drink and Ink, a lot of times it was like, I'm just going to go with my favorite name this week and we're gonna see what poems he, this person has to offer <laughs> yeah and so um and so or sometimes it would be the titles like there was uh i think one that i read i mean canned tomatoes stood out immediately i was like there's a whole poem about canned tomatoes i have to read this um yeah. but there's uh like i think there's one that was like um the uh something club at the or some some kind of group at the the band g club and i was like what 
is this? <laughs> what is the Banshee Club? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I just, my mission is to read it, read a, read one every time. So people appreciate it too. Do you ever just write your own? I have. Yeah. It is really hard, especially when you do not know what that cowboy life is like whatsoever. Yeah. You have no experience of it. <laughs> just because I grew up in Texas does not know mean I know anything about being a cowboy or right. cowgirl. Like I don't, I know nothing, but, um, it's not easy because you find yourself slipping into simple rhyming and you realize that there's more to it and that there has to be, you have to have the same beat whenever you're writing it. Otherwise, you know, if you have too, if you have too many syllables, if you have more syllables on this line than you do in the, the two lines before it, you're not going to, even if it rhymes, it's not going to sound as smooth as you think it's going to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is not easy to write it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I have written a couple. (laughs) That's cool. I want to hear. <laughs> Maybe not now. I'll have, but... to, I'll have to dig through and see if I can find them. Because I, I, okay. it's been a while since I've written any, and I don't have them memorized right. <laughs> as I should if I'm trying to be a true cowboy poet. <laughs> and then bow at the end. That's right. Yes. Which I, I do try to do. I yeah. have the, That's why I wear the cowboy hat is because of the... I was so blown away yeah. that they all took off their hat and... And bowed that way that that's why I wore the cat because I wasn't going to do that. But I just thought that's a crucial part of this. So I'm just going to start wearing any hat, <laughs> yeah. memorize and my poems and just bow at the end. Right. I you, think that's so lovely. It makes such an impression. I know. It really People are like, does. what the hell is this what doing? What is happening? Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, I think a long time ago, poetry, when it was recited, it was recited like a theatrical thing. Yeah. And there was a bow that people would give, you know, because mm-hmm. poetry, I think, and it's the most prime that it could be where, you know, the general public liked it because it was more theatrical than there was bowing at the end mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, if you look at, like, Shakespeare, like some prologues of Shakespeare, it's like they completely rhyme. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of performing and some kind of theatrical element there. And you know, they bowed at the end of that prologue and then the play would start. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's kind of the same thing and just cowboy poets haven't let it go. The good for them. I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of it. And, you know, it is a story that you're telling. Yeah. Um, I know we, we hung out a, a little bit before mm-hmm. this podcast recording that we're doing now. Um, and we talked about this, but just to bring it up again, because it's kind of related, um, just speaking about poetry um, or not speaking about poetry, um, talking about performing <laughs> poetry. Um, there's this whole aspect of it where it's like, you know, the theatrical performance of it. And there's a lot of poetry out there where that's, it's just necessary. Um, yeah. because it, it is, that's the form of the poetry that you're doing and it's, it's called for. Um, and you know, I definitely have, you know, sort of like a, a conflict, I think, when it, mm-hmm. when it comes to reading poetry, just certain types of poetry, I guess, like mine or mm-hmm. other types where it's like, well, I would much rather read that off the page because, right. you know, the form, I think so much of the form is lost or so much of the meaning is lost um, when you're just listening to the poem versus reading it because, because of the form. I think the form on the page adds so much to the meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I'm reading my stuff on stage, um, you know, I always feel like somewhat, I guess, like 
just sheepish reading it and just somewhat like, oh, well, half of the meaning is being lost here. No one understands like, you know, the flow of this one sentence in the context of the, the form, which adds so much more. And how do I translate that? And blah, blah, blah. Like all those things go through my head. Um, and you know, and then I feel like the way I'm reading it is so, so flat Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, how do you translate in a theatrical sort of way or a performance way? Like the meaning of all that, like I have no idea. And I think that comes with time. Maybe I have no idea. Yeah. Um, It's what's a weird thing, but I almost wonder, especially I haven't written anything in a while, but I used to write constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, was it yesterday? Right before we were heading out to Drink and Ink, um, I found a journal from 2010 that I wrote all the way through to 2012. It was just sitting on my bookshelf, and I thought, the hell? Like, I, I was like, I know what this is, and mm. I opened it, and there's just writing after writing after writing. Like, and I mean, since middle school, I've, and I have all of those journals from back then where there's just poems just throughout all of these journal entries and, and everything, and I don't write so much anymore now, but... I wonder, because I have the same struggle that you do, that mm. if, I, if I read anybody else's work, easy, I can do that. It's not my work. It's someone else's, and I can, I'm, I'm happy to represent it. Um, but I have a hard time representing myself. Mm. And I know that there's more of a struggle in there on a more general level of I have a hard time representing myself. Um, it may not come across that way because... I like to talk a ton and I like to have conversations, but I'm not necessarily representing me when I'm having those conversations. And with poetry, it, I feel like it actually kind of rears its head in front of me and makes me have to face that, um, how I do struggle to represent myself. So reading it, I feel like I'm not going to get what I want people to get. I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I want people to get out of this if I read it. But when I think about, for my specific struggle, I do wonder if it's because I'll write it and I move on. I don't come back to it. Whereas maybe if I sat with it and I reread it and I reread it, and then I tried even practicing reading it out loud, if I would kind of figure out where I want, how I want my voice to move in that writing, mm-hmm. how I want my voice to move in that poem, what, what voice, and, and do I even know what that voice is mm-hmm. and trying to find it? Um, I do wonder if there is an element of that. Cause I know that I, I'll write something and I just move right on. I don't, I don't right. try to come back and edit it. I don't try to come back and do any of that. It's, it, it feels like that was what was going on with me at that time and I'm writing it and then, okay, and that's it. And I, I just move forward. So, um, I do, I do wonder <laughs> the puppies. <laughs> My dog has been licking himself for like. 10 minutes and straight. And just, it's a little the distracting. The noise is so funny. <laughs> yeah, sorry, everyone. <laughs> I uh, kind of hope that they can hear it. <laughs> it's it's kind of gross. It, it is, but it's really funny at the <laughs> <Yeah>. same time. <laughs> you do you, Pepper. You got it. You know what? <laughs> you find what you need to do. But, um, but I, yeah, I, I know that that's probably what my struggle is, is that I don't come back and revisit yeah. my, myself, really. Yeah, he's still going. (laughs) I took him to the dog park yesterday, and he, like, would not stop raping, like, all these dogs. (laughs) So I think he's just 
He's just making sure that whatever his job was that he did yesterday is cleaned up well today. (laughs) (laughs) He took a pause and went right back to it. Oh, man, that's so funny. Oh, Pepper. You are cute. (laughs) All right. But. Um, Yeah. But I, you know, it's something I've been thinking about, especially when you mentioned... Um, going forward, trying to just memorize your poems. Yeah. And um, I thought it was really important that you said, like, at the last drink and ink, how you sort of, like, choked and mm-hmm. um, just, like, forgot the whole first half of your poem. And, but you just stayed up there. And I thought yeah. that was the vulnerability of that. I think that's so important. And um, in its own way, I mean, that's that's so poetic to just stay up there. Um, oh, I, you know, thank you. I did not <laughs> look at it that way. And that makes, it's very encouraging actually. <laughs> well, I think it is. And it's not necessarily poetic, but it's part of the poetic experience right, of right. performance. And, um, I think that's so important for, for anyone that's performing. Um, and I thought like what you said, um, earlier about how you just allowed yourself to just experience that and that you wanted to, mm-hmm. that you weren't going to like have a backup, um, you were just going to let yourself feel it and kind of go through it. Yeah, I think, well, because, you know, if you know, you know, you do know yourself in, in certain aspects where I know for me, I'm, I am very guilty of going, oh man, I would love to do that. And then you wait, you know, I, I am a procrastinator. And so I'll procrastinate until the last minute. And then I'm like, well, I'll have this backup thing. So it'll be fine. Um, yes, you started again. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to turn out to laugh. It's just so loud. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, it's, okay. It is really funny, um, but um, my dog is actually a lot louder than that. Okay. So <laughs> I don't think it's coming on okay. now. Um, but you know, I, I I do that, and so I've I did decide for this this year I'm going to memorize these cowboy poems, and because that's what they do, and I'm I want to represent that art as much as I possibly can. So. Yeah, I decided I'm not I'm not going to write it down and I, I did write it down, but it was earlier in the day to help me memorize it, but I did not bring that notebook with me on purpose. And then it it was actually a very difficult. It was two sets of poems that I mashed together. They were very short, so I mashed them together. Um and I also decided because it was so hard for me to find them that um I wasn't going to try and look them up on my phone either. So um and I just and I also thought, you know, I procrastinate so much. I waited till the last minute to read, to memorize this. So maybe I just need to experience myself choking on this and failing, not failing, but tanking in a way. Tanking sounds better to me than failings for some reason, but, um, tanking on it. So that way I experience that moment of, I am the host of this open mic and I can't remember the poem that I wanted to share with everyone. I want to remember that how that feels because I think, experiencing that is going to stick more of how I need to memorize sooner than what I've chosen to do. Um, because experience, even if you know better experience is really sometimes the only teacher. So Mm -hmm. even if you do know better, it's not going to stay with you until you go through it. So, um, and everybody was very supportive of me tanking. Everybody, I mean, there. I, I even said, "I'm, I'm sorry, everyone." And someone went, "Oh, that's fine." And it was a new person that it was, uh, it was Lane. He was just like, "Oh, that's fine." It, and the way he said it was so supportive. He was just like, "Oh, don't, don't worry about it." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, great. So then I yeah. stayed up there, <laughs> and I was like, "I'm not moving until I come to some kind of conclusion here, whether it's that I, it comes back to me and I remember it, which it did, or 
I just talk about what it was supposed to be about. Um, and if that meant that we don't get a cowboy poem from me this month, that's what it means. And if I don't want that to happen again, well, I know where to go from here. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think I also want, if somebody else feels like they're in that moment, it's like, well, the host did it. Host tank. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thing. the host isn't, it's not about being perfect. No, obviously. no. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's a way that a lot of hosts, they, if you don't know them, they, they can come across that way. And not that, of course, yeah. not that they think they're perfect, but in your eyes, you view them as somebody who's hosting this thing. So therefore there's a, there's more of a honed in art to it or something. Right. And that's not necessarily true at all, but it can yeah. just be the way it appears at times. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, yeah, to that effect, it's like, I mean, hosting hearsay poetry. Yeah. I feel, I mean, I feel more comfortable doing this podcast. Like, this is my favorite aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Just being totally candid here. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad, totally grateful for hearsay poetry, everyone. I hate it, though. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a part of me that, like, yeah. I, like, I just, I feel so out of my skin. Right. And so out of my comfort zone yeah. hosting I, that thing. Uh, when I did it's, it with you, I was yeah. like, oh, this is why I do it at a house. This is, you hate oh, it. <laughs> man, this is, oh, yeah. God. Because, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. I mean, I will, I love it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's, it's not in my comfort zone. Yeah. And, um, actually Jack, Magic Jack, uh, he said something to me at the last one, um, December before we, mm-hmm. uh, took a break or before I took a break for January. He's like, you know, I'm really glad that this is going so well. You know, I never pictured you as a type personality person, but good for you. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I just, you're just like such a go-getter, you know? And I was like, Okay. Oh wait. So if you're a, if you're a host of an open mic, you're an A type personality. I suppose. <laughs> but it just blew my mind. I was that. like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done yeah. in my life, dude. Yeah. But, all right. Yeah. Um. But it's just one of those things, and um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, just your story just kind of reminds me of that, where it's like. Just putting yourself in that situation mm-hmm. where it's like, no, like just go through this and feel it and just allow yourself to like have this moment of like growth, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, like starting this whole thing was more, more or less just like a way to, well, how do I have a more intimate like experience with like getting to know poets and like getting, you know, poetry more where people like feel like it's more accessible and like have more of a personal conversation about poetry with the poet and Mm -hmm. then like bringing that into an open mic atmosphere where it's like it's not just an open mic where there's no context like I wanted something deeper which I guess is what this podcast is but I just you know going into it I had no idea how like yeah uncomfortable the whole thing would feel yeah it's like I mean it's getting better you know but it's like wow well and I think also being in public even though you know a lot of the people that are in that room you Mm -hmm. feel like even though it's not performance, it feels like that's what you're doing. Oh, totally. It feels like yeah. that's everyone. And not, not just that you're doing that, but you've also inadvertently decided that everyone's expecting that from mm-hmm. you too. Yeah. Even, even though they're not. Right. Um, yeah. There's definitely been times, even at Drink and Ink, where I feel like that. And I'm like, oh God, why did I? I'll try something new. I'm like, that was a mistake. And it wasn't. It was fine. But right. in my mind, I was like, oh, that was so uncomfortable. And it it nobody liked that and I I think I had to decide like 
well, fuck that. <laughs> like, if it didn't go well, it didn't go well, and that's mm-hmm. that's okay. But yeah, it's hard. Um, but yeah, when I was when we were together doing that together, I was like, oh, I don't know how I would do doing this all the time. I don't know how I feel <laughs> yeah. doing this all the time. It's it's strange, especially mm-hmm. because there is an element of you're leading the way too, mm-hmm. and so there's even whether it exists or not, there is that added pressure of like, you're, this is your thing. So you handle it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, I don't know what that means for me yet. I don't know what, how I want to lead that, but technically we've put ourselves in some kind of strange leadership position by doing that. And there are other expectations that come up, whether people mean to or not. Um, where all of a sudden you do need to make decisions about this thing that you've decided to do. Yeah. It's like, what's your thing? It's your yeah. thing. So what are your boundaries? What are your parameters? Mm-hmm. What are your, do you have policies? You know, like, are there, are there specific things, you know, yeah. we, um, you know, there's, what do you, what do you do with all of that? You know, and, you know, we had talked about this earlier where mine is called a private open mic. It is open to everybody, but I only call it private because it's at a home and not, at a bar or a coffee shop or where just random people can show up. Yeah. Like where any, yeah. And I only did that. So that way it could be that closed niched thing. Um, but if someone hears about it and they want to come, they're more than welcome to. Um, but it may, it does make being the host of it a little easier, especially when it's in your own home, which Mm -hmm. it was in my own home for the first, um, three or four years of it. And then I remember one person, she doesn't come to it anymore, but she offered her house and I was taken by that. I was like, what? You want to, you want this to be at your house? Like it's a <laughs> mess afterwards. Cause you know, there's all this food that's everywhere, but that was the first time. And then more people were like, oh, we can offer our house. Yeah, sure. So it's turned almost into like a traveling open mic yeah. in some aspects, which is cool. It is. I like that. Um, but but yeah, it's just, it, um, I, yeah, I, I actually, I admire you a lot for being able to go up there in, in that public place and be able to do it. Cause it's, it's challenging. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotten easier, I would say, oh, sure. um, as it, as it will, you know, the more you do something, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been an interesting experience for sure. Yeah. And I, and I do like it. Um, but you know, it's, it's cool. And, and, and I will say, you know, our, our poetry community is small and it's, it's mm-hmm. unique maybe. I don't know. I haven't been in any other poetry community, so I, wanna, yeah. I don't want to say it's unique in any sort of way, but it feels unique in the sense that I think Austin is unique. And I've said this before, probably many times on this podcast already, but, um, I just feel so lucky to be in a town where it's like almost every art scene that I've seen, um, and just the community in general, it feels like it's so supportive. Everyone yeah. is so supportive of one another. Um, so in that regard, it's like, I'm pretty sure even, even if you do feel nervous as an, a new artist or anyone that hasn't shared something before or is ongoing sharing something, mm-hmm. um, and you just, you feel nervous, there's really no space where you won't have a support group. Yeah. Um, even if you don't know anybody, I right. mean, that's how I met all, most poets. I mean, out right. here it was just like, I literally knew no one just kind of put my foot out there and it was just like immediate like response with like open arms complete like support just with no context you know so yeah the support's amazing um yeah I'll say 
like Spirit Tom and Jack, Magic Jack, I was, to this day, I'm still blown away by how much they support Drink yeah. and Ink. I'm yeah. blown away by it. I don't know how many people they have brought or have invited to Drink and Ink that still come back. And it's because that those two are, they talk about it. And yeah, um, every open mic, they, they're at every, they're, they're so at supportive. All of them and and yeah, they go to everything. all of them and they advertise all of them. And yes. And so, but it's, it's still mind blowing, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if, when you're the host of one of them, because you, at least in, in my perspective, there, there's definitely been many times, even though it's been going on as long as it's been going on, it still feels like it's like my little rinky dink open mic. You know, it's like my little, it's, it's yeah. something that I wanted to do for selfish reasons. And, but it, it, but these, these people make me remind me that I've, it's for them too, that they've taken it on and, you know, it is for them as well. And there's definitely been months where I've had some stressful, um, just kind of life things happening and, and I've, I've had no time for drinking ink and I was like, okay, well, I just gotta, I gotta find me, I find a cowboy poem. I gotta figure out what next month's word is and I just gotta do it. And, um, and because of how supportive they are, drinking ink takes care of itself. I don't, Mm -hmm. And, you know, granted, I don't want to have the mentality of like, well, I don't have to do anything to keep nurturing it. I, I've decided I, I don't want to think that way. And I, but if there, if I'm, if I am having personal difficulties to where it ta- those things are taking away time that I'd like to spend on that, I know drinking is going to be okay. Cause I have just an immense support system that wants to keep it going and they want to bring their own stuff to it. And so I've, there's definitely been some months where I'm, I'm up there and I'm all smiles, but there are some very difficult things going on in the back end. And, um, and I'm thinking, and I, and every time before it starts, I'm like, this is going to be bad. I, I'll think that, but everybody else just brings their, their art and their warmth. And, and then I, and at the end of the night, I always feel so much better because they remind me that we've drinking ink's not just my thing. It's a community now. It's a, it's a thing that we all do together. And, um, it's not just a one person, one person works on it. Everybody works on it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they, that's what all those open mics are. You know, they're, they're all that way where maybe the host is feeling like they gotta, they gotta make sure that they keep that going. And it's like, well, no, if you've, if you've cultivated an an environment that's welcoming and open and supportive, you're going to get those kind of people and they're going to make sure it keeps going. They're not going to let it stop if they can help it. It takes care of itself. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They're not going to let it stop. Mm -hmm. So um, I've heard about many open mics stopping or shutting down and I'll hear how, how devastated the people that go to them are. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like, okay, well, I've missed one drink and ink. <laughs> I was horribly sick yeah. and I asked someone to host and everybody still showed up. Like they knew I wasn't going to yeah. be there, but they were all still there. Yeah. You it's know? more about the event. Yeah. yeah. And that was a good thing for me to learn. That was, um, that was like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, that was great. It was like, okay, cool. They're really here for that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's what you want. Yeah. That's really what you want. So, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, the community. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, you started drinking ink. God, what has it been? Like seven? Years? It's been seven years okay. um, in August of 2011. Okay. Was the first one. And have you, you said you grew up in Texas, so yeah. was it here? You, had, you didn't grow up here. Was it somewhere else? Um, I, I always call myself like a central Texan. I was born in uh, San Antonio and okay. 
my parents divorced when I was two and my mom moved um, to Round Rock and then we moved to Elgin and then moved back to Round Rock. And then when I became an adult, I moved to Austin. So okay. I've always been in the area of Austin, but wasn't an actual Austinite. Um, when my dad would come pick me up on his weekends, we would spend that Friday hanging out in Austin when I was a kid. So I got to experience what Austin was like since I was little. So I knew I wanted to live in Austin um, since I was a little kid. I knew that. Yeah. Um, even though I'd never been anywhere else, it was very clear to me that it was different. Um, yeah. And it's changed drastically since I was little. And I'm sure there are people, you know, if there's if there's anyone that's listening that's older than me, is going, well, it's changed since you were a kid, you know, because I'm, I'm 31. So it's, I, I know even then it was different. But even though Austin has changed more and it, um, you know, I know that some people feel like it's losing its heart, but I don't know. There's these little pockets that to me show it's like, no, it's still there. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's getting covered up a little bit, but it's not gone. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've always known that I want to live here, but yes, drinking ink started in Austin too. So yeah, but yeah, seven years. That's a long time. <laughs> it is. I really thought yeah. I was going to fizzle. Yeah. Like three months afterwards, like people were not going to show up. I'd be just me and my roommates, like in our with our little platters of food. And then, um, but no, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but yeah, um, I was like, that'd have been fine. We'll just hang out and do what we do every single night that we lived together. But um, no, it just kept it, people just kept coming back. So yeah, August this August will be eight years. Um, I and now I'm like. In my head, I'm like, oh my god, is this gonna? Am I gonna do a ten year thing? What am I? Yeah. That was never a thing that I ever ever imagined, and now I'm having to imagine it because it's yeah. not that far from now. Yeah, you can't just quit now. Yeah, I feel like five years ago or five year anniversary was yesterday. In fact, I was yep. singing the. We make up a. Um, we started on the third anniversary. Started making up a, a song, to sing with the whole group for like the oh, yeah. drinking ink birthday. And uh, the first one we did, we just we just took like a drinking song melody and like added our own little words to it, and it was a lot of fun. And then the fourth year, Michael and I, my husband, we came up with um, our own little song, and we and it, we all sang it together. Fifth year, Michael came up with something. Um, sixth year, we came up with it, but we're like that wasn't very good. Like we did not like it. We're like oh well, it's done. And then last year we did it again, but I, I was like, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I came up with a, with a song and, and Michael's like, all right, let's hear it. And I, I said it. And when I was about to, when we were about to start singing it, Michael goes, well, what Genevieve I don't think yet has realized is that we are singing the Popeye melody. <laughs> I had I thought I had made up my own you song. You made it up. Forgot about the Popeye melody. In the moment he said it, I was like, you're right. We're singing the Popeye melody, the Popeye Sailor Man melody. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what we'll do for 10 years because we do songs every time, so maybe we'll just change it up. But <laughs> Yeah. And who knows? Maybe I'll find some other cartoon to <laughs> come to, on to, to steal. To copy, and you're yeah. like, look, I made this up. I made this up. <laughs> I just forgot, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he called me out, like, in front of everyone, too. I'm like, good, no, because I didn't really he's like I don't think you realize that you've taken this <laughs> oh, that's no. hilarious I wish I yeah do you remember your thought process you're like this melody is like it was e- catchy. it's easy yeah it's easy, easy and catchy, and catchy. great because we want yeah I'm we, so genius 
<laughs> well, because the six-year one was so kind of complicated. And I was like, we need to go back to easy. Because yeah. um, I think the third one, like I said, it was like a drinking song. Yeah. And it was... It was easy. It was easy to, to sing. So I was like, let's go back to easy, almost kid-like songs. And then I did that. And I was like, well, apparently I forget other melodies that have been in my head forever. But yeah, I was singing one of the anniversary songs the other day. It somehow got stuck in my head. I think it was the fifth one. But yeah. Yeah. So just do all kinds of stuff. Well, <laughs> still growing, so that's good. Um... Hmm. I don't really know what to talk about anymore. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Probably just cut this part out since I'm being super lame right now. <laughs> um, nah. I don't know. How, how long have we been going? Um, Out of curiosity. For almost, I guess like. Almost an hour, like 50 minutes. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. I, I know, I saw, um, I was listening, I think it was Tom's. Tom's was like almost an hour and a half. Yeah, he was a long time. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty easy. He, he just, he talks. just, it's like he's just kind of, he's just like a stream. Like, it's just easy. Yeah. He just keeps going. Yeah, he oh. is like a stream. He just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. His, oh my God. Like, I didn't realize, because I mean, I've talked to Tom before. And I just didn't, it was such a trip. Like I, yeah. like I felt like a deer in the headlights sometimes yeah. when I was just talking to him during that podcast, because just at different open mics and stuff, I mean, you know, like chit chatty stuff here and there. And like, like you said, he's pr- pretty quiet sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's a different demeanor, different demeanor completely than when he performances, mm-hmm. just very outlandish, very like commanding the audience, very sort of like boisterous just like out yeah. there you know um but yeah I mean just you know at different events he was just like oh hey Brooke how's it going and yeah. it's like really quiet and like you know you know a little quirky sometimes like he would mm-hmm. say something sort of sarcastic and yeah. like laugh and then that was it you know yeah and he definitely uh, says things that clearly but, go over your head too yeah like I, I know like, it happens to me I'm like was he being funny just now yeah. like you know that kind of stuff but um so but yeah, during the podcast, like I had no idea he would be like this or mm-hmm. that he just talked this way, but you know, I'd ask him questions and his answers were, he would just start telling me an answer and it would just all of a sudden go into like this poem format. Yes. Where I'm I like, was listening are to that. you yeah. speaking a poem right now? Yeah. <laughs> like everything would just start rhyming and then it would have this like cool cadence to it where yeah. it was like flowing really well and I would just be like. Is he trolling me yeah. with poems? Like, what yeah. is going on? And I would just kind of stare at him and, like, I would get really quiet. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just kind of, like, blown away. Yeah. I just felt so, like... Yeah, he <laughs> I So weird. I think that's, like, the other reason why open mics are so much fun because you get to see these, these people that are... They are characters, but mm-hmm. they bring something to the table that a lot of people don't. And mm-hmm. it's really nice. Yeah, Tom... Tom was definitely a wonderful like surprise to to meet (laughs) yes um but yeah and I don't know and there's different ways that people like express their stuff but like him yeah you there's times where he will just in a conversation he'll just dive into a poem and you don't don't know 
where it started and <laughs> no, you don't when or where it will end and yeah. it's kind of hard to, to gauge that and I think he I think he almost enjoys doing that I think he, oh, he totally I think does. he totally knows that he's doing that and you think so okay so I, I, I wonder so. I'm like does he know what he's doing I think like, so that's where I get weirded out he wants so <laughs> I remember when I met him he want he told me because he sounded Australian Mm-hmm. But he told me, and I think it was as a joke, that it was New Zealand. And, and there are, there's a slight difference between those two accents. Yeah. I'm sure it's more obvious if you're an Aussie or if you're a New Zealander. I'm sure yeah. that it's, I'm sure it's a lot more obvious to them, but it's very slight in my ears. And so I remember I came, I, I talked about him to Michael and I, I think I said that he's New Zealand and but I was like, but I think he's Australian. I was like, I, I don't know. I think so. So then when Michael met Tom, he was like, oh, so you're from New Zealand. And Tom looked at him like, who told you that? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm behind. I can hear all of it. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I just set up Michael for I don't know what. I have no idea what I just set him up for. And, and Tom was like, well, I'll let you decide, you know, whatever. I'm wherever I'm from. <laughs> he just said he wasn't going to inform Michael of truly which one it was. He's going to keep him in the mystery of, is he from New Zealand or if he, is he from Australia? At this point, obviously we do know, but when this is when we first met him yeah. and we were just like, okay. So he just like, that's how he kind of started like getting to know us is like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to let you slowly figure it out with context clues and things I might say. Okay. <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> but it was it's it was really funny to to both of us. We're like, okay, well, that's that's Tom. All yeah. right. But there's there's just so many uh characters that we've met and that just bring things that you're not anticipating at all and it's really I, I just feel like they kind of enrich my life in ways that I don't think would have been otherwise. So yeah, it's really nice. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing that's really nice about watching and being around people in these open mics is watching them grow, especially if they keep mm-hmm. go- coming back. There's lots of growth, and um, like I talk about Wukash a lot at Drinking Ink, and I, I'm sure he's tired of hearing the story that I have as to why he gets first place and he's the first one that gets to read. Um, before everybody else gets to, and, um, are you yeah. talking about Lucas? Yes. Okay. So, okay. so it, his name is, it's Lucas, but uh, apparently the way you say it, um, cause he's Polish is Wukash. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and Whenever I remember you say that, I think you're talking about somebody else. I'm like, yeah, who is this no, person? No, no. Yeah. So okay. he, I remember, well, so I met, I met him at work. We worked at the same place together and I invited him to drink and eat and he loved it. Um, I think, um, he wants... And he might not think this anymore, but he once described me to me as the most European American that he had met because there wasn't like a TV in my living room whenever he would come over um, because I wanted people to, when, if you're coming over to hang out with me, you're coming over to hang out with me. So I didn't, for a long time, I didn't have a TV in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and at parties, that, and I, I did, had a lot of parties at my place um, before I was married. And um, my parties, you danced. It wasn't just a hangout. No, we, we danced at the parties. Um, 
And I did not realize that that was not common. Um, I, cause I just, I, I ran the party. So we were dancing at our parties and it's okay if you're not ready to dance, but you're going to get drunk enough and we're going to dance. And so we would, all my parties we were dancing at. And apparently he was like, yeah, that's how European parties are done. And American parties, we all just sit there and drink and talk. And I'm like, well, that's okay too. But, um, he loved that we danced. So he was like, yeah, I'll come to this drinking ink. And then he loved it. Um, but I remember I asked him once, do you say Lucas for your name? Like, is that how you're supposed to say it? Cause people butcher my name so much that I've gotten to this point where if I feel like it should be pronounced a certain way, I want to ask and make sure. And I want to pronounce it the way it's supposed to be. Um, like I have an ex, his name is Aaron, but he's from, um, Mexico. And so his parents called him Aron. And so I asked him like, do you want me to call you? Would you prefer that? And he's like, well, that's how I grew up. So that's, how I would, that was his name to me. It was Aron and not Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember asking Lucas, I was like, do you say Lucas in Polish? Like, is it pronounced that way? And he's like, no, the L's like a W. He's like, you, and then there's a, actually, when you spell the name, his name, it's L-U-K-A-S-Z. So with that S-Z, you do that Z at the end. So it's Lukash, like Lukash. this like sh kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to call it you that. And he I think he is okay with it, but it's definitely like when I say it and other people are like, what? And he's always like, okay, (laughs) let me go into explaining. Like this is how you're supposed to say my name. Cause apparently if he brings anybody that knows him to drink and ink, they all discover that they've been saying his name, not the way that he grew up with. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I'm going to call you Wukash from now on. And so there's a friend of his, Breton, that's been coming to drink and inks. And he discovered that cause he called him Lucas and now he calls him Wukash and stuff. And I just, um, I don't know if he's okay. He said he was okay with it back then, but I just try to say people's names the way they either grew up with or the way they're like, it's supposed to be this way. Yeah. Kind of thing. I've been called so many different things when I do How do people mess up Genevieve? I mean, I know it looks probably long on paper. I get Geneva, Gwendolyn. (laughs) Gwendolyn. Uh, I've gotten Gwendolyn. You're really Um, just glancing at Guinevere. um, (laughs) Guinevieve. Uh, um, I once, I used to work at nursing homes and my name tag was right there and someone would call me Genevieve, like leave out the last V in there, or they would add an N at the end and it would be Genevieve. And I'm like, (laughs) the name is right there. Like you can see it. There's no N at the end. There's an N in there, but it's not at the end. And, or they, you know, or they would leave off that V and I'm, and I'm, I mean, I guess I kind of see how you would get to Genevieve because of the E's at the end there, Mm. but Gwendolyn blows my my mind. Gwendolyn like, I don't, blows my mind too. That's yeah. way off. And I know that Guinevere is like a like a medieval version or like some kind of yeah. like variation of Genevieve, but right. there's no W or U in my name. Right. So like right at the beginning, it's like there's yeah. no W right there. Yeah, it's um yeah. Just take a look. So so <laughs> since then, um, because of, of of that, I'm I'm very determined to make sure mm-hmm. I pronounce people's names correctly, or or how it was said when they grew up, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gwendolyn. <laughs> Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn. There's not an L in my name either. I don't understand. But yeah. The only time I've gotten any weird name things is when I'm actually saying my own name to someone else. Oh, yeah. And the I think it's just like maybe I'm soft-spoken or the mm-hmm. way I actually just pronounce my own name sometimes. But the responses I've gotten from other people 
I'm like, do you really think that that's a name? Like, yeah. why on earth? What have you got? Um, so I've gotten, like, people will be like, what's your name? Like, if I'm ordering, like, a drink or something, uh-huh. like Starbucks, I don't know. I've gotten Brick. Like, Brick. brick okay. Or, or Brock. Okay. I'm like, really? Well, I mean, Brock brick, is usually brick a guy's brock. name, you, typically. I, I mean, I guess, but it's just I've heard like, it once as someone's name. Yeah. I'm like, yep. Yeah, yeah. My name's Brock. Brock. Or... Brick. <laughs> Brick is definitely my name. So I know Jack, he'll say Brooke June a lot. Do you go by Brooke June? Or Brooke is it... June is my poet name. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll go by Brooke June. I'll mm-hmm. respond to it. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, just Brooke is cool. Yeah. Every once in a while, someone will call me June just because yeah. of that Brooke June thing. Yeah. Um, which I also respond to. Yeah. It was my grandmother's name. But I think it's a great name. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like trying to come up with like little variations of like, yeah, like a stage name or mm-hmm. something. Um, I'm pretty lucky. I both my, like with my maiden name, I, I felt like uh, I had a pretty salt. Like I was just going to use, if I ever had a state, it, it would be my name. So my full name is, um, Genevieve Athena Davenport. Yeah. was my original name. Yeah, your, your middle name is really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. My dad did very well. I give my yeah. dad full credit on my names. Um, my mom agreed to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, it's, it's a, a story that I really like. So my mom, as you know, her name is Toby. Mm. Um, and she hates her name. She grew really? up with, so well, she grew up with cool people going, oh, my dog's name is Toby. Oh, so. So she really didn't like her name. Okay. Her middle name is Lee. So are there people above us? No. <laughs> Do you see that? There's a, there is a cricket in the lights. Great. Or I'm going to say it's a cricket and not a roach. That's nasty. <laughs> it's a cricket. It's a cricket that's in the light. That's what we're going to yeah. say for right now. <laughs> but, but yeah, so she grew up and she hated, 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 hated the name Toby. Um, so she told my dad when she was pregnant with me, they also thought I was going to be a boy for a long time. Um, and they had a name for the boy, but no girl name. And then, uh, but she did say like, as long as it's not a dog name. I don't care. Um, so my, my dad, they were driving down the street and, um, there is in San Antonio, there is a street named Genevieve. And when my dad was 14, he saw a movie with an actress. Her name was Genevieve. I can't remember her last name right now, but, um, he just thought she was beautiful and decided he was going to name his daughter Genevieve. And then he remembered that when he saw the street name and he turned to my mom and he was like, what about Genevieve? My mom was like, that doesn't sound like a dog's name. Great. I like it. I don't know. People are naming their dogs like all Matt. Kind of, yeah. This okay. is Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a dog's name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, you know, went with it. But I will say, um, when I was a kid, a teacher decided to read the story of Madeline. And that girl's fucking dog his name Genevieve. Oh, see? see? <laughs> and I remember I turned to her. I was like, what did you do? <laughs> like you, you made this. I, I remember going uh, joking with her. You made this happen. Like this is your fault. And she was like, I never, ever thought anybody would name their dog Genevieve. Dogs can be <laughs> Not only that, but it's in these <laughs> children's books and they made a movie about Madeline and the dog's name. Like there's the dog Genevieve running through in the movie. And like, thanks mom. <laughs> What you get? you get? And now Toby's getting like a resurgence <laughs> in like kid names right now, like Tobias particularly. Everything flips. Yeah. It's so like, like this oh. world's flipping around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
my God. Th- what about your middle name, Athena? Is it just... My dad really loves Greek mythology. Okay. Yeah. So he did that. Um, That's cool. Yeah. He really loves it. So I... Yeah. If I ever have a kid, I feel like I have, for some reason, big shoes to fill in the name department. I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's got to be like Persephone or something. I don't know. Mm, that's like, an interesting one. Uh, yes. <laughs> and to, for the record, that is not in the pool of names. Okay. <laughs> it's more of my joke of like, I got to come up with something that's, you know, but I think I'm, I'm finally abandoning that. It's like, I'm just going to pick name alike. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last, um, January's drink and ink word was austere. And this guy decided to write down types of people that he found austere and Uh-oh. share it with us. Okay. He said people named Elliot. People named Elliot. Yes. Which I mm. thought Elliot is not that common of a name these days. And I just yeah. thought, who, who, who hurt you named Elliot? I know. <laughs> it's not a terrible name. I don't understand why. Like, either you don't like the name or you met somebody named Elliot who really... The two Elliots coming to mind are Elliot from E.T. Mm-hmm. and Elliot Smith. And neither one of them seem austere to me. No. Except maybe the no. way Elliot Smith died. I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, mm. I And there's one more Elliot I know from the show Scrubs. That's a female named Elliot. And uh, those are the... But those are the three Elliots that come to mind hmm. for me. Elliot Smith and, yes, Elliot from E.T. <laughs> But it's like, I don't understand. Yeah, so I'm just, pretty pleasant. Yeah. I, I forgot to like grab him after drinking English over and be like, who, what Elliot hurt you? What happened? <laughs> it's pretty random. <laughs> like Elliot. It's just, yeah. anyway, it was, it was fun. He came up with a bunch of real wild stuff, but that one, we all went, what? Yeah. <laughs> People named Elliot. Alrighty. Yeah. Um, what is February's name? Or name. Sorry. Uh, the word, word for February is ludicrous. Ludicrous. Yeah. All it right. seems like that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to work with. Yeah. There's been some really fun ones. Yeah. And that one I think will be a really fun one. I yeah. just get a good feeling about it. Another thing I really like that is part of the word challenge with drinking ink is you guys uh, dive pretty deep into the etymology and history. Yeah. And you don't always go for like the direct uh, definition. Sometimes it's like the B side definition, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'll always, I try to go for uh, whatever definition I read that kind of speaks to me right then I'll write it down. Mm -hmm. Um, but if somebody likes the other definition better then definitely Mm -hmm. use that to, you know, for whatever it is that you want to create. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, I once asked my dad cause my, both my parents, which is I really, really love both my parents come to drink and ink, and I think that's really cool um, that they do that. But I asked my dad years ago, I was like, would you be willing to look up the history of this word and just kind of go into it? And I I think one of my favorite things he does is he goes into all the synonyms of the word and sometimes. Oh, yeah. And one time, I don't remember what the word, which word this was that he did this on, but for some reason, when he looked it up, it gave him almost every word that rhymes with that word. So he wrote this entire entry like that he wrote for himself where he fit all of those words in there and he wanted us all to kind of like chant them with him. <laughs> and so they all like masticate and like, I just didn't remember it, it, it rhymed like that. And so yeah. he just, it was great. It was so much fun when he did that. Um, like so, so much fun. Yeah. Um, 
so it's fun. Like sometimes that will come up and he'll, but the synonyms are, can be like just a slew of synonyms that'll come mm-hmm. and he reads everyone. And I really like that he does that even though he's, you can tell he's like, I'm almost done guys. Like, no, 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 it's fine. Just yeah. keep, keep telling us all these synonyms. I think it's cool. You know, I feel like I'm getting some sort of like in-depth mm-hmm. lesson on yeah. English language sometimes when I go there. It's, it's yeah. Really Cause cool. he'll, he'll talk about like when it's first used, when the word mm-hmm. was for it. I think one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite drinking inks was when the word was moxie and um we found out that the word moxie is actually happened to be someone's last name and then it became a word oh um so it got it started getting used in like the 1800s this doctor or scientist i think he was a scientist he was trying to create a soda that also like cured the common cold and like helped with paralysis and things like that. He was trying to create a soda that was also good for you. Like it, it cured things from back then. Wait, is this the Moxie soda that yes, still exists on the East is, Coast or whatever? It is. Okay. So he made Moxie. I just found out about yeah. this soda. Yeah. So, I, so when I made, when I, first of all, Moxie is one of my favorite words out there. I just, I just love it. I don't know why. There's just something about the structure of that word that I love. And um, I didn't know anything about like where it came from. And then I, I looked it up because my dad wasn't going to be there that month. And, um, I was like, okay, so this guy makes a soda and he had a friend that was like a Lieutenant and his last name was Moxie. And so he decided to name it after this friend. Um, and he decided because this friend was like full of oomph and just was real, um, confident and just had a lot of, um, like panache and just like really, out there. And so the slogans were like, you gotta have Moxie. Like, like Moxie became this like thing where you were just really confident and like really just out there kind of, kind of thing. And I thought it'd be so cool if I could get some Moxie soda for the group for us to try. Couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Finally, there was like some website where I could order it, but shipping alone was like $35. And I'm like, I am not okay with paying $35 for a six pack of soda. So I was pretty, I was pretty down about it. And, uh, the day comes drinking, it comes and my friend, Michael Roberts walks in and he's got this box and I'm looking at him and he's like, Hey, and I look down and it's just like 12 bottles of Moxie that he, that he grabbed. And I just looked at him like, you are my angel right now. You are my, (laughs) you are like my favorite person in the world because you, you brought me this and I was like, where did you find this? He goes, at Specs. I'm like, motherfucker. Like I even went to Specs has it? Yes. I even oh. went to um like a vintage there's I think it's on Duval. There's like a vintage beer and soda place. Oh. I even went there and I was yeah. like, there's no Moxie there. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And so You would think they would have it. I would think yeah. so. So then here he comes and he has this. And I'm so excited. And now I'm like, oh I have something to present to everyone. Um so what I did is I poured a little bit of Moxie um, in each and like, a and all these little cups and I pass all the cups around. I'm like, don't drink them yet because I found this guy up in the Northeast coast who used to have a gas station, but he turned it into a little museum for the Moxie soda. Mm-hmm. And so I played the video and he goes, all right, on your first sip of Moxie, you're going to want to sip it out or spit it out, excuse me, but don't on your second sip of moxie you're gonna want to spit it out but don't on your third sip it's gonna be the most delicious thing you've ever had and it's all you're gonna want to drink 
And he was so animated, this guy that has this little museum, that I thought, okay, we're watching this video and we're not, we're going to do the sips right when he says, like on your first sip and we're all gonna take a sip. Oh yeah, no, it was disgusting. Really? <laughs> like, even by the third sip, nobody was okay with it. <laughs> nobody was happy with this Moxie drink. Maybe it was old Moxie, I don't know, but it was not good. What did and it taste like? Medicine. Ew. <laughs> it was not Like good. bubbly medicine? Yes. And it was a little flat too at the time. But um, it, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites because because of that and we there was definitely like different things that were presented that night too um but i just kind of loved that we decided to get this thing like where this word actually originated from was from the making of this soda so here we are trying it it's um, interactive very interactive <laughs> it was really cool that is awesome i had no idea that the word actually yeah i thought the soda was just named after the word yeah no he no named it after idea. his friend Luth like some sergeant okay. lieutenant moxie or something yeah 18, eight, late eight, I think late 1800s, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So that was, that was a fun fun one to learn and go through. That's really cool. Yeah. I like it a lot. And yeah, I like that my dad, you know, he'll be like, all right, it was first like originated from Latin and first used in the 14, I think last night the, the word austere originated in like the 1400s, it started to get used. Yeah. So it's pretty, I like that he does that. It gives us kind of the background behind the word. So if anybody listening wants to maybe come to Drink and Ink, mm -hmm. um, is that possible or should it, they just, you know? No, it is possible. Um, so Drink and Ink does have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, I admittedly have not been active on it in two years, but I just, I made a change in that yesterday. So um, face, the Facebook page is now more active. Um, there is a, the picture that is associated with it. It's an orange, um, little sketch of a, like a scroll and it says drink and ink on it. A really dear friend of mine drew this on a little orange sticky note. And I decided that was drink and ink's logo. Um, and, uh, and then he, he passed away. And so when he did, I made one of the words of the month in his honor. Um, the word was paragon because he was a true example of how a human should be. And so the word Paragon was for him. And then I've also framed that sticky note. Um, it's in our house and I keep forgetting. I, every drink and ink, I mean to take it with me or take it out and I want it to sit right there, you know, just kind of like a way to, I don't know, honor him. He lived in Michigan, but he was such a fan of what I was doing with drink and ink that he was constantly like, how did it go? And he wanted to hear how it went. And he drew, he drew a little thing for it. So that's what it'll look like on the Facebook page. It'll be um, a little orange drawing, um, and that's how you know you're at the right spot. But, okay. um, but yeah, you can do that. Or, um, you know, if somebody wants to um, wants wants to uh, get like the private invite to the event, because I do send out an, a private Facebook invite, then they can do that. Or they can email drinkandink at gmail .com and let me know that they're interested, and I can. And I'll, and I'll add them to the little email mailing list and give them the info where, where it's going to be at next and, um, and when. And the and, is it the ampersand? It is spelled out. Drink and ink. Drink and ink. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, cool. Um, and other than drink and ink, uh, 
do you plan on performing anywhere other than hearsay poetry February 5th at <laughs> Atabar, 8 to 10 p.m. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try and start being more part of the poetry community and yeah. like support the other open mics but um, I think the first couple that I might go to like Spoken and Heard seems like it's a pretty good one mm-hmm. um, and then I keep hearing about one called I think it's Wake the Dead in San Marcos yes yeah. and yeah it's far but I think I want to give that a shot at least once just mm-hmm. see what it's about but um yeah um and then who knows i'm getting back into music so maybe maybe sometime soon i'll be having announcements of that yay cool <laughs> yeah you play cello yeah yeah awesome so okay cool well thank you so much thank for being you. here this Thanks was so much fun with me yeah it's it is fun yeah i like it so All right, well, we will see you at the live event in February. And hopefully anyone else that's listening. Yeah, please go. Yes, please. And also, if you're so inclined, um, please share this podcast with your friends and leave a lovely rating, everybody. Yeah. iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.